Yes, we are back. Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast, presented on the Real Football Tonight YouTube channel and the Football Tonight Podcast. We are recording this on Sunday, January 28th, 8th, 8th. I am your host, Laurent Cortines. In this episode, the full glory of the FA Cup fourth round, the magic of the cup indeed lives with Maidenstone. Brawls in the black country, and United almost schadenfreude. But first, the biggest news in football is that Jurgen Klopp has announced that he is indeed leaving Liverpool after nine glorious seasons of teeth, of smiles, of everything you can imagine. What a manager. What a man. As much as uh, the rivalry between... City and Liverpool is one of uh, is one of glory and it's one of held back glory and one of just so many different things that you just want to appreciate the football as it was. Let's sort of think about where Liverpool were um, just before um, just before Klopp got there. They had the 13, 14. They had the 13-14 season with Brendan Rodgers. That was exciting. We got we got the slip. <laughs> we got um we got Demba Ba, we got Luis Suarez and it looked like that had fizzled as we've seen with Brendan Rodgers. He's he's an he's a nearly man. He kind of his his David Brent style stuff gets them to a certain point. And then in October of that year, 2015, just before um as the Leicester season was happening, just before, you know, Rodgers had a bad run of games and he started talking jive, we knew that Klopp was on the market and we knew what he had done with Dortmund. We knew he had a downturn there and was able to turn around. And he shows up at Liverpool. And I think from that first moment, you thought, oh, wow, this is going to work. Never did you feel like it wasn't, honestly, the marrying of what Klopp had meant at Dortmund, what that club means in Germany, how he won, what he won with, that singular connection from from manager to city to style of play immediately was there. And within a few games, you could see Klopp had transformed the team. I think the I think of the player that I think of the most that immediately it clicked with, and even though it was a weird side, Adam Lallana just was a man possessed, and he was the one who first really took on Klopp, and I think that famous 5-4 against Norwich uh, really showed something. And from there, he just elevated the club, and I think you saw, as I sit on it from the outside, you saw something... And, and this is, there's a lot of parallels with FSG and the Red Sox and baseball. And so for folks who aren't um, who aren't familiar with this, or if you're just you know sort of a UK football fan, the owners of Liverpool are FSG, Fenway Sports Group. They also own the Red Sox. Uh, John Henry famously was an analytics man, and he used that to buy different uh, commodities and trades or whatever, whatever the case is. But the parallels between Boston not winning the World Series and Liverpool and Liverpool not winning the Champions League, all that stuff was so aligned. Klopp came in almost in the, more in the Theo Epstein realm 
more folk hero and the parallels between those two teams as a fan standing on the outside having lived through Yankees Red Sox and now having to live through this sort of city Liverpool thing the parallels are so close although it would have been a better narrative had it been Manchester United that Liverpool was winning the league against it was the right city wrong team for the story but in terms of that moneyed interest historical interest versus one versus the other it was all there the difference between the red sox is like they had never won and they were kind of like shunted to the side whereas liverpool were trying to recapture glory and and klopp embodied that with a style with the charisma with the humbleness with a with an immediate embrace of the city that i don't think any manager has really only liverpool has this it's a special club I don't think Klopp would have worked at every team. I I don't think it would have worked with Man United as well. It would have felt as though he went to work for the Empire versus the Rebels. Klopp is the ultimate rebel. He's the ultimate outsider, even though he's had big clubs. But but Dortmund are an ultimate outsider. It would have never worked if he had gone to Bayern. In fact, I think inside him, he knows who he is. And he's so self-aware that he chose a club that made sense to him for him. And I think that's what we see with Klopp. I think that he connected that city top to bottom like no other manager we've seen in, in since Shankly, honestly. Even though Bob Paisley did a lot of the winning, Shankly really embodied an ethos of a socialist city, of a left-behind city, of a connected vertically city. And Klopp does that. If you haven't learned these things, if you don't know the history of of Liverpool, the city itself, it's it's unique in in and of itself outside, inside of England. It's something else. It's almost not England. It has such an Irish character. It has such a socialist, not socialist, Tommy, I'm not getting political, but such a union union workers, a thing and, and 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 against Thatcher, all these things, and then you have Hillsborough, all those we are other within the city itself. And Liverpool was their sense of pride along with the Beatles, and Klopp fits into that group. He fits into that pantheon of people, that pantheon, that person who can embody a city and with his leadership lift it up. He's literally big. He literally has a big smile. He literally has the fake tan that Liverpool fan, that Scousers are always made fun of for having. And he does play a style of football that 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 makes Liverpool feel like what it is. As much as your Rafa Benitez was loved for his winning, he was much more of a cold tactician and sort of didn't have the charisma that Klopp had. And even though he won and he stayed for a long time, he kind of made it an us versus them. Whereas Klopp was like, it's us together going forward. It wasn't to put... Klopp never put down other people, really, aside from complaining about refs. He didn't put anything down. He said, we do this together. We lift together. The players work together. And then the improvement on so many different players. Mane was a nice player. He was $30 million from Southampton. He became a world superstar. Bobby Firmino was there. He was a Rodgers buy. He was a goal. He was a striker who didn't score goals. He was a number nine who didn't score. Um, all the players that were there that were never shunted 
they just were sort of moved on. Dejan Lovren, Mignolet. There was just a slow sort of movement of players away. And we didn't get tons of former Klopp players like we are with Ten Hag. The structure of Liverpool, the 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 player-buying committee, the sort of behind-the-scenes thing Klopp inherited. Then as his success grew, he got more and more control, as he should, because he was successful. And he takes on now a folk hero of football. Um, I love Pep Guardiola, but he does require a level of skill and a level of player that is very expensive or very particular. And I think that Klopp is more of, I'll cook with the ingredients you give me, manager. That's not to say they didn't spend, but it was much more judicious. It was much more, here's what we have. The elevation of Robertson, a $1.5 million player from Hull. The elevation of Trent Alexander-Arnold, a kid who was just a scouser they picked up. The elevation of Jeannie Wijnaldum, just coming from Newcastle, not particularly good. The elevation of Jordan Henderson, a player who was from Sunderland and just okay and good. There are a few players that they had to have that completely transformed the team. And obviously the spine, right? Allison was very expensive. Van Dyke was very, very expensive. Fabinho was a key player. Salah was transformed. They saw something in him, the finishing that, that they thought they could make something out of. And Klopp then takes the pieces and makes the whole thing happen. So just an incredible uh, experience. And I think the Premier League will, will be less for him will be less for Liverpool. He's not replaceable. He's not replaceable. I think one of the things I've learned in watching football over these years is the most valuable and most difficult thing to find for certain clubs is the right manager. And while we see clubs like Barca and Real have this sort of churning of managers, that's sort of their way, uh, Bayern to a lesser extent, those Clubs are such institutions and have so much strength that they're designed to be done that way, or Chelsea to a lesser extent under Abramovich. But other clubs don't. They they require a leader that can really drive the team forward. Uh, and you can see it with the high-level teams. They they can churn and burn through managers. And and Liverpool did that. You know, you had you had Hodgson and Dalglish coming back for one last round, and and you had you know Brendan Rodgers, who I think, to be fair, had success. If if we're honest and really think about it, but I find it fascinating. Uh, we'll miss Klopp. The current leader in the clubhouse, of course, is Xabi Alonso, who right now, former Liverpool player. Uh, right now has Leverkusen winning the league, but the difference between Leverkusen winning the league in Germany and Liverpool is is big. That's a large, large gap. Um, I mean, really, Leverkusen is competing against Bayern in a league that does not have scrutiny at the levels that uh, the Premier League does. Uh, you don't. It's not an international league. The the Bundesliga is essentially a parochial local league that's for germans only essentially that and that's how they want it um but we'll see what happens there we'll get a sense of what it means later on and i have a feeling that liverpool have their plan in place um and they're probably taking their time 
I think one of the things that's fascinating about this whole process has been no leaks, zero. Juxtapose that with with a team like with a team like United, who anything that happens becomes a thing, and then or or City where anything that happens it's buttoned up. And so, I mean, we have this Kyle Walker thing we should probably discuss, but uh, it's very interesting what is happening at Liverpool. Uh, Liverpool fans are probably, at this point, hurting pretty bad uh, and worried, and they should be. Um, I don't know what the infrastructure is like at Liverpool or how they go about these sorts of things, but it, it, could, it could well be a problem for Liverpool. Um, they won't have the arguably best manager in the Premier League anymore. Um, and I think that I think that ultimately Klopp is that in the Premier League right now, along with Pep. Those two are immense. And I do want to give a shout out to Liverpool. I think in Pep and in if you talk to City players, if you talk to City fans, if you're paying attention at all to the points levels and the levels that these two teams push themselves to in the two one-point victories and the both times they pushed each other and what we have set up right now, I don't think, and what we saw with Messi and Cristiano, it's the same thing. I don't think Liverpool or City get to the levels that they are without battling each other. I don't think it's possible. I don't think that the that the benchmarks are get to as high as they get to. City doesn't get 100 points. Liverpool doesn't get to 95 points without that push from the opponent. And so I tip the cap to that opponent. Uh, there is nothing as a City fan I fear more than going to Anfield and having to win a game. In fact, City have not won at Anfield since Roy Hodgson was the manager at Anfield. So that gives you a sense of how much respect I have for the Liverpool side and I have for Jurgen Klopp and for how he showed a different way. There's technical precision and passion and Klopp's methods were to capture the passion of the city into the squad and reflect it back to the supporters in his own mind and body. His hey, hey, hey is something that we won't see for any time we won't see it for a while because no one is like Klopp because it's not phony it's completely real he doesn't do bravado with violence or meanness or nastiness the way someone like Mourinho does he does it with empathy and caring and and love and he, he with hugs as they say he's as to steal from um uh, Roger Bennett from Men and Blazers it's the Teutonic Care Bear he just does it with love and you know who doesn't want one of the hugs of of Jurgen Klopp and uh, we will be sad when he goes he said he will never manage another team in the Premier League ever so that he can guarantee he would never do that he would rather die he said very dramatic but uh, I believe him he sort of gets the ideas uh, of football maybe it would have to be three three teams later or something like that but amazing stuff football won't be the same City won't be the same. Now I wonder for City whether Pep will leave now because he feels like he can. <laughs> okay, let us go through the great and powerful FA Cup. Uh, that 
was amazing. I'm going to go through the scores and stop in some big ones as I go through. Bournemouth, Areola Revolution continues at a 5-0 win away uh, at home to Swansea. The Swans don't get a goal. Wednesday and Coventry win themselves a draw. The Sky Blues, my favorite team in blue in the championship. Chelsea and Aston Villa pull themselves a draw. This is a good result for Chelsea, I'd say. Uh, getting their defense in order, good stuff. Bristol City and Nottingham Forest, also a draw. Uh, Nuno Revolution continues. Then also on Friday, City score their first goal <laughs> at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Was it a moment? Was it a foul? I don't care. 86 minute. Uh, Ake with the goal. Uh, City bossed this game, and Tottenham aren't there yet. Still a good game and a needed result. Then the great and powerful, the Stones of the sixth division of non league, defeat the great and powerful. Ipswich Town Tractor Boys for the lowest team to advance. You want to see some stats? I'll give you some stats. What? How did Ipswich lose this game? 38 game, 38 shots, 13 on target, two shots, two goals. Uh, Maiden Stone with the dream. The Stones go through on an incredible run. They continue their journey in the FA Cup. Brighton in a barn burner. 5-2. They smash Brighton. Three Hat trick for uh, Mr. Pedro with two penalties as well. Leeds put a draw against Bournemouth, uh, Plymouth Argyle. They're not going to want that. Leicester continue. They are running the championship pretty well. Defeat Birmingham. Uh, no longer with Wayne Rooney, the worst manager who's ever been pointed. And Luton Town, who draws City in the next round. Defeat Everton 2-1. Well-deserved. They bossed it. Then our friends defeat in Newcastle defeat Fulham in a good win. Two of the uh, the local lads get it done. Longstaff and Dan Byrne. Take that, Chris. Uh, they know what the FA Cup means. Then we'll talk about this game in a minute. 2-0. Wolves versus West Brom. Liverpool have no problem with Norwich. Some of the boys get back. Uh, we saw Robertson come back. The kids were playing Liverpool looking like they are going to get there. Watford won Southampton, won another replay. And then the great and powerful Newport County. We're level in this game, but United pull it out at Rodney Parade. Really good stuff, but there it is not fresh in all land Man United. And we have Wrexham and Blackburn Rovers on Monday. These are the replays. These will be taking place soon. We see big one here, Aston Villa versus Chelsea. Who will advance? And then we have some of the... Uh, the draw has been made, but we don't know who won yet. So we just know City's got Luton, Wolves, Brighton, Maidenstone still waiting on theirs, Bournemouth, Leicester City. That's a good one. Uh, former Premier League club, and we don't know who Manchester United will get. Okay. Now, I would like to go to this United game. Um, a little bit tricky. This team uh, played well. I mean, 17 shots, 7 on target. United could have lost this game. They did not play well, but they get it done with their quality. Uh, Fernandez setting it up. Bryn Morris with a wonder strike deflected. Will Evans, it, they thought it was close. United were cruising 2-0, but then cometh the man, cometh the hour. Anthony with the goal and Rasmus Hoyland getting one late. The big story here is more about um, the unfortunate case of Marcus Rashford, who was out and and listen he's a young man i get it let's let's not the particulars are not important he was out in ireland blah 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 drinking then apparently he called in sick to practice okay he was partying and whatever okay that's fine i think the bigger issue is is in the culmination of the season uh, marcus rashford is not living up to his contract and he's showing 
signs that maybe he was a guy who just wanted the contract and he's supposed to be a leader. And so there are responsibilities that come with being a local player, uh, a local lad, uh, part of the United family, and to display that level of professionalism is worrying. And I think this is one of the issues that's been part of United from the outside looking in that Ten Hag is constantly having to deal with. You had it with Sancho. Now we're going to have another blow up with Marcus Rashford. We had it a little bit with with Cristiano, a little bit different. I don't think Cristiano's professionalism was there. It was more you don't run, which is no surprise uh, there. But ultimately, this is about what does it mean to be a United player? And can Rashford be that player? Um, I'm not going to go into the hyperbolic sort of, it's the story of the day that the pundits are going through and you're getting a lot of that. Your Alan Shearers are blasting him. Your Craig Burley on ESPN are blasting him. Billy Big Time, Billy Big Balls, whatever it is, something's going on with Rashford and he's got to get himself back into playing hard, taking shots, running hard, working for his teammates, and pushing United forward because they need him. Frankly, he's in the plan. He's their best striker. They need best goal scorer. They need him or he's not going to play for England. So that's a big one for United. And it's something for them to be worried about. Not even as a, not even as a football team. Is something wrong with Marcus Rashford? Is he okay? Is something going on there? I think that's really a bigger question is what's happening with him? Why isn't he performing? Is there something going on there? Uh, I would want to click around and go to this game. Uh, West Brom Wolves, not a particularly great game. Pedro Neto getting on, Cunha getting on. What really came up with this game was we had violence. Uh, West Brom and Wolves, known as a black country derby in Birmingham on the west side, Wolverhampton and West Bromwich represent that area. And apparently what happened is Wolves fans went, bought tickets to go into the home end. And those Wolves fans were cheering for Wolves in the home end and it bro and violence broke out. This is indicative of prior history within football where you'd go and try and get into the other end. Now, it's also around the way tickets are sold now, where there are extra allotments, there are other things that happen, and players do get, um, and fans are buying tickets for the wrong place, the wrong seating. The, the nature of the FA Cup is this random draw of who you get, and tickets can start um, really, um, really start to go on. And there was a 15-minute a break uh, within the game. There were fights, you can see here, the, the fans getting into it. Uh, a little bit of, uh, of trouble between fans there. Uh, there was a 15-minute suspension. You can see uh, players taking their families off the field. So it was a little bit crazy. It was a little bit nuts. It was reminiscent of a prior time. But also, also I think fundamentally something that might be good. Uh, football does, excuse me, football does need these sorts of moments in a way because I think there's a lot of value around seeing the passion i think not that we want violence and let me be very clear it's not the violence that is so that is that that i'm interested in the fact that it still matters is really important especially uh within the context of american sports where it feels like no american sports matter anymore uh when you see these things 
Americans don't have a sense of envy. There's a, there's a kind of, how does that even happen? Why do you care that much? And so I am enamored by that part of it. Why do people care about football so much? Um, and it's good to see that it still matters. I don't condone the violence. I don't want violence. And I don't think that anyone does. But that it matters is so enthralling to me that we're drawn to it, or I am at least. Why does it happen? How do you get to those feelings? Because it seemed to me that West Brom and Wolves was alive. Uh, it's it, too much life, too much energy. And so that was really something that I think about in terms of that game. But a good game, again, Gary O'Neill, my guy, getting it done. Uh, I do want to touch on it since we have so many uh, so many friends of Newcastle, especially on Chris's team. I love it. I love that these two young men, Sean Longstaff and Dan Byrne, both uh, Dan Byrne from Durham, I'm, I'm pretty sure, Longstaff coming through the staff, being the two goal scorers. It makes sense. Uh, they are players who this matters to. There was a little hint of handball on the Longstaff goal. Remember, the rule is handball when the goal scorer touches the ball is immediately chalked off but it touched Guimaraes then Longstaff so no handball very intricate piece of the rule uh, you know uh, nice to see Byrne get a scruffy goal I think this group here when it's Byrne, Botman, Shar, Trippier that's the real defense of uh, of Newcastle and when they get uh, Pope back I think they'll be in better shape Good for them to get a clean sheet. They hadn't been getting clean sheets. This is a nice win away from home for uh, the tune. And then I think they can start to dream. Maybe this is something they target. We know they're not going down. We know they're not winning the league. They're probably not going to finish in the top four. Maybe Newcastle fans, do you want to just go for the FA Cup? I think it's a reasonable thing to try for. You can beat any big team. Uh, interesting game to think about and try for. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this Liverpool game. The the Joga Jota finish in 59 was incredible. The header from Van Dijk, he's always good for one once in a while. Used to be a striker. Incredible head of a ball. Uh, there was some worry here at 1-1, but Darwin Nunez gets a goal. Uh, Liverpool cruise. They're really in good shape. I mean, this is a dominant performance uh, as usual. He did play the big boys. Uh these players came in at halftime, so Konate got replaced by Van Dyke, Gomez by by Robertson. So they're getting the team back together. Bradley was really good. McConnell was also really good. The wealth of attack. I know about Curtis Jones. Just a really good group, very strong. Uh, while Norwich, you know, these aren't the games they're trying to win their season over. But it was just good to see uh, Wagner in the dugout. You know, Klopp's old friend um, there uh, talking about Klopp. Uh, interesting stuff, the connections between a lot of these clubs and a lot of the players uh, just growing on and FA Cup stuff and all the fun stuff around that. Um, not a lot of deep stuff outside of those kind of results. I mean, we're not getting anything too crazy yet. We will bring up, I will talk about, um, I want to talk about Maiden Stone a little bit. Uh, they are the last lowest team still in this division. Uh, still doing it. They are in, I believe, the National League South. <laughs> so not even, you know, they're, they are, you know, where Wrexham was 
a couple years ago. They were something like 70 places between these two sides. So a really big win for them. Um, and, and Kieran McKenna really has Ipswich flying high. They are still, as far as I know, uh, in the promotion places. So Ipswich, a really, really good team that deserve to be, you know, where they were probably didn't deserve to go out. Uh, but this is, this is the, this is the cup. This is what happens. Uh, you lose a game like that and you get put out of the FA cup. It's really just that simple. <laughs> uh, but I would have liked to have seen, uh, I like a good team. And I think that ultimately that team is quite good. Uh, they have an interesting coach made in stone, um, former premier leaguer, uh, Cameroonian, um, it shouldn't matter, but it does. But he is an African. He's a black man. And there are not a lot of black coaches in uh, English football, top to bottom, any division. You can ask Ashley Cole if he can get a job or or Sol Campbell how you get a job. You know, there are only two that I can think of, Darren Moore being the other. And it is really good to see um, that type of manager getting a job and doing well. Uh, this will help him sort of go at another level up. He, um, I want to make sure I get his name. I'll just search for a second. Made in Stone coach. Oh. Just give me a second. I should have known. Um, uh, God, it's going to be a little bit tougher than I wanted it to. Made in Stone. It's, uh, this'll do this will work a little bit better uh yeah just an exciting kind of thing to have that um oh there it is a loco it's george elacobi uh formerly i believe he made his mark playing for wolves most uh prominently did some time a lot of clubs you know like a lot of players just a an immigrant kid out of cameroon did did his time with martin o'neill at wolverhampton wanderers in the premier league so he a kind of an up and down player played a lot of places four seasons in the premier league three as a starter uh, so you know and then just played you know a lot of time and been top to bottom of the league finishing his career at maidenstone and now is the manager so he took over from being a player a fit fit athlete and and just a great coach and a great story, saying the right things about it being about community. Um, and I can't help but think about what's happened with MLS uh, here in the U.S. We have the U.S. Open Cup. It's our oldest cup competition in football. And um, this season, the MLS informed the U.S. soccer that they would be pulling their teams out of our U.S. Open Cup for bullshit reasons. Uh, and it's really about control where, and then you see something like this with, you know, MUFC, it's not Manchester United, it's made in stone. Uh, the stones with their two shots and two goals, really great finishes and a heroic effort by the keeper, uh, there, Cujunia, Cununia, something like that. Um, and it's just, it's just why, why people love football. It, this is why football matters. Uh, sorry. His name is Ko Volan. Kovalan, I think he had 13 saves. Just this is why it matters. Get behind it. It's everything. Uh, I know Chris. Uh, Chris doesn't like me to talk about these parts of the game, but these for me are are the reasons why football is great. Blackburn Wrexham. That's gonna be great. 
the stories about Norwich or the passion, even though I don't like the violence, don't, don't get me wrong with West Brom and Wolves, but that it's local, that it means something. Or that for Newcastle, that Dan Byrne and Longstaff get the goals and they're local boys and it's the FA Cup. So it's this tying together of community, England, and putting it all together. Luton going away from home. Luton getting a draw against Manchester City. Uh, just fantastic. At home. That is going to be tough, but they're going to have the kennel. It's going to be rocking. City are going to have to win that game. It's not going to be easy. There won't be anything easy about that result. And so on the one hand, we have the top levels of football. We have the top sort of, you know, we have four or five different sports almost going at the same time. Yes, they're all football. Yes, they involve 90 minutes. Yes, they involve kicking a ball. But at the top level of football, you have multinational corporations along with city-states owning the team. And they're trying to, you know, emulate soft power. And, and it's a disaster if they have a bad result and, and this. Then you have this sort of aspirational group of teams that are trying to be the soft power teams but doing it the old-fashioned way. And then you have these newer teams like Brentford and Brighton who are trying to outwit and outsmart and outdata everyone to grow their team. Then we've got the rest of the clubs that are well run and trying to move up and we have teams in the championship that are aspirational but still sort of on hard time spending money, spending money. And we can just go down in divisions and the story changes, the narrative changes for each one of those clubs. You know, what is what does this game mean to Plymouth and Argyle, the, the sort of edge of the world team and their green and leads trying to get back into the Premier League? And there's a story for every single club. And when we have these events like the FA Cup, we can tell the stories of those teams and, and you can see old friends and you can see Rodney Parade on display in Newport County. And where the hell is Newport County? Oh, it's in Wales. Oh, it's near Cardiff. Oh, wouldn't it be interesting to see Cardiff play Newport County? And we have Wrexham that sort of ties us together with the TV show. So there's so many different things going on that I think that this cup exposes. And that's why I get so passionate about lower league teams. You know, Nottingham Forest isn't just Nottingham Forest making up the numbers in the Premier League. Nottingham Forest is Clough's Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest is European champion Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest is starting team in the Premier League, then spending 26 years in the wilderness and coming back. It's not just what you see today. It's everything that came before. And so the clubs in England have that. And that's why sometimes City fans get so frustrated when we're not respected. I'm like, hey, we've been part of this story of English football for 125 years. Like, what are you talking about? We're new. We're new in this other game with United and Liverpool and whatever. So uh, maybe I've gone off on a rant and gone off on the rails of, of whatever, but that this is what's great about football. These are the other things. There's world football superstar teams. There's Real Madrid's and Barca. But then there's Newcastle and their story and Mike Ashley and Fulham and their new stadium. And what are they going to do? and what the cottage means, and it's the oldest stand, and it's by the river, and it's all these things all together, and I love it all. Uh, I hope that folks will understand what I'm talking about when I talk about this stuff. I hope that uh, you will join uh, the show. Um, you know, just support the show, sign up for the show, listen to me and Chris have our disagreements about 
um, uh, about different things because we um, we just have different ways of thinking about football. I think I'm a little bit older and ha and see a more cerebral kind of way about it. And Chris is much more uh, YouTube era kind of uh, thing. And he's doing an awesome job just building out the show. And I want you to subscribe to uh, the Top Football, the Real Football Tonight channel because Chris really cranks things out, especially if you're a Newcastle fan. Uh, he really puts a lot of effort into reaching out and bringing fans into his channel. So they've a lot of Geordies on there, an American, some from London that are that are Newcastle fans. Uh, and it's really growing, and it's great to see how his channel's done well, you know, how we're up to almost 1,000 on the Prime channel. Already, I think, 500 for the for the, just the Magpie side of things. So really going well. Uh, I'm happy to, to be a part of his show and help here and there, hopefully giving some levity, giving some extra uh, here and there. But uh, we'll be back, hopefully. I think the Premier League starts back up, not this weekend, right? Yeah, this week. No, we get games on Tuesday. So there'll be games coming back midweek this week. So uh, Tuesday, after these FA Cup games, we're going to have the Premier League back. Uh, and you'll hear probably from, yeah, we have midweek games. Yeah, midweek and then Thursday. Oh, so we have a have a short week. Kind of have two weeks going at once. We've got games on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then we have a full match week. So match week 22 is midweek, and then we're going to have match day 23 uh, on February 2 through 4. So a lot of big games coming up. Uh, uh, this midweek, we're going to have Aston Villa versus Newcastle. Uh, we're going to have um, Nottingham Forest home against arsenal did they come back to life uh everton starting to scrape back into the relegation zone they've got to go to fulham that's a big game chelsea versus liverpool that is going to be a carabao cup final preview uh brentford versus tottenham hotspur another good game and now that we see uh brentford getting off to schneid and then the game that i'm calling I would be shocked on Thursday if Wolves at home do not beat Man United. I promise you, this is an upset. If you're a gambling man, put money on the win for Wolves. I promise you, Man United are gonna lose this game. <laughs> uh, and then we'll have and then we'll have previews for the following week. We'll probably do that with Chris. And then I'll be back next Sunday. So uh, just gonna look at the calendar really quick. Make sure I've got this all squared away. We know what's happening and what's going next. Um, yeah, let me give a look here. So, yep, we've got... We've got... Uh, I got this wrong. Here we go. We've got midweek. Yep, we've got midweek, and then we go into the weekend. So we've got two match weeks going in the next two days. So... Just amazing. We're going to have a lot of football again, uh, and we're going to bring all those things down, and Chris and I will break all of it down. Uh, the game never stops. It will continue, and we appreciate all the time. Please like the show. Please join into the show. Uh, I'll see Chris tomorrow uh, and at 4 Pacific. So that's 7 Eastern. That's midnight in the U.K.
Okay, we're gonna wrap it up. All right, that was the Squeaky Bum Time podcast with Laurent Cartines. That's me. We are the Premier League and the FA Cup wing of <laughs> the Real Football Tonight podcast channel and the Football Tonight podcast. We record on Sundays, so be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast, so you never miss an episode. Shout out to Angela. Shout out to Tony. Shout out to everyone who ever watches the show. Uh, I appreciate you all, and I will speak to you later.